Welcome, Element, and as we start today, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen over the next couple months. Not with COVID, because we have no idea what the government's going to do with that, but what we are going to do in terms of teaching and what we walk through. Uh, starting February 14th, yes, it's Valentine's Day, smooch, smooch, smooch. On February 14th, we are going to start the series of the book of Job. Uh, we're calling it Life, Lent, Job. We're going to do a Lent journey that's going to take us all the way through Easter. One of the reasons we're doing this is over the last year, you know, we've all kind of gone different directions, and this is going to help us take a church-wide journey together to kind of all be on the same page. So we're making booklets for you, and in these booklets, we're going to have uh, gospel community questions and family questions and daily devotions to go through. There's going to be reflections and journal sections, all in an effort to help us not just understand the book of Job, ourselves, our lament, where we've been, but push us towards the joy that comes when Easter arrives. So as I said, we're kind of putting together these booklets. Now we have different ways to try and get those into your hands. The first way is we're going to, on February 7th, it is a Sunday, we're going to invite you to a picnic. Now, don't get all excited because the picnic is you bringing a, blank, bringing a blanket and you bringing your own food. But we're going to open the parking lot and kind of block it off a bit and come and sit down. You can put your blanket down. You can be socially distanced from other people. Have your lunch. And while you're here during this picnic, you can say hi to others. And we'll come around and we will give you these booklets. Uh, again, February 7th. The whole thing starts on February 14th. If you are not comfortable coming to this picnic, then during that week of February 7th, February 14th, you can come by the office and we'll give you booklets for that. If you are not comfortable doing that, uh, send us an email, connectedourelement.org, and we will put a list together and we will drop them off at your house. We will do delivery. If you live in another state and you need a booklet, send an email to connectourelement.org and we won't drive it to you, but we'll put a one or two or three, how many you need, in the mail and we will send those to you as well. We want to get these things in everybody's hands. If you come to the live message only Sunday morning service, service 9 a.m. on the 7th or the 14th. We'll hand those out as well. And if you like doing it on an iPad, we'll even have a PDF version. These are all ways that we want to get these booklets into your hands so we can walk forward together as a community. And through this, there will also be eight weeks of children's lessons that go along. We're doing these children's boxes. There'll be a box that has all eight weeks for children as well. So as you do those family questions, you can talk about those together as because we just want everybody kind of coming together and moving forward and understanding where we're going with this to bring us all back together on the same page. And maybe we could pray through all this that maybe somewhere around Easter we could start doing services together in a building. It would be really amazing. I know the band would appreciate it, and I would like it too. Okay, so that's, that's your kind of big thing of where we're going. Stepping on from that, remember that in the middle of this message today, we're going to put up a slide. The slide's going to have a question. And during that question, you can pause the live stream. You can maybe talk with people who are around you about that question, answer that question. You can also take care of your kids if you need to, get a cup of coffee, come back, and then restart the live stream. If you have a smart device, you can download an app. It is called Uversion. Click on More and then Events in Uversion. 
We will come up by GPS in your smart device if you live in our area. Uh, if you're not in our area, type in the zip code 93455, and you will get sermon notes, verses, questions, announcements, and everything that goes with today's message. And if you're so inclined, you can stand with me for the reading of God's word. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, 2. Uh, two. And it says this, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. All right, let's pray. Father, today, we ask that you would move us to a place of understanding what you call us to do and who you call us to be in the world, that we would rightly judge the things we are supposed to and leave the things in your hands that you alone can judge. Teach us to be a people who trust you as we walk through this life under your name, speaking about who you are in everything that we do. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are doing, as you know, going into Job, we're doing a few weeks before that through this series called The Greatest Story Ever Retold. There's this old Jesus movie called The Greatest Story Ever Told, and so it's kind of a play on the name of being retold. Not that we're retelling the Jesus story, but there's a lot of different things in the scriptures that we tend to look at and maybe not get all the nuances of it. So we're kind of retelling those in ways that maybe help us to understand things better. If you've been around Element for a while, you know that I am somebody who likes to plan a lot of stuff. Like I could tell you what we are going to be teaching on through 2023. Not that I've written written those messages yet, but I can kind of tell you the direction I think God is leading us to go. Some people, when they hear me talk about things like that, they say, well, how does the Holy Spirit then lead you through these things? And I think the Holy Spirit leads me because he helps me to plan out the things that we are going to do. But so often in the midst of this, God is always reshaping and changing and moving my plans to something else. I don't know if you can relate to that at all, like you have an idea of where you're going and God's like, no, we're going to do this. Happens to me all the time, especially in what we're we're teaching. And so kind of what we go through in this whole retold series is how God is moving us forward to understand what he is doing in the scriptures and how he can even retell our lives in the sense of where we thought we were going last year and where we end up even now. You know, the, the only thing I really did know is that we did this retold story. I'd be taking all these different things and putting them together and help us to understand things deeper. And I thought they'd be just one-off messages. But it really ends up now, as God changes things, that the first four of these messages are all going together in terms of redemption, reconciliation, acceptance, and and God calling us in. Uh, This is week three of that. And today we get to another thing that is all about judging. And talking about how God and His Spirit moves things, you know, and how He has us teach and what we go through, think about that for this week. You know, there's an inauguration, all kinds of things happened a couple weeks ago, and now we get to a point that we talk about judging. I think God's Spirit is amazing in how He works all of these things together. I had originally planned to do this in one week, but it got kind of away from me, so we're going to do it over two weeks. But again, it all goes back to the ideas of belonging and coming together and acceptance and living the way that God calls us to. So the passage we're going to look at today is in Matthew chapter 7. You can open your Bibles there. Uh, Here in Matthew 7, Jesus is going to deal again with proper judging. Now, I know today some people say things like, oh, you were never supposed to judge, but quite frankly, that's dumb, because there are things that are around us that we have to judge. There is just a difference in how we are called to do it and what we are called to do it in. I mean, think about us. If we looked at our lives from the outside, many times we would make a lot of judgments about us. Now, you know, Jesus comes and loves and accepts us and and draws us in. And we would think, why would Jesus do that with someone like us? 
Well, that's because when Jesus comes and speaks truth and speaks the gospel into our lives, it is more in the sense of how he calls us back to who we were meant to be. Jesus, when he, when he speaks and judges things in our lives, it's not for the purpose of condemnation. It's for the purposes of bringing us back to understand who he is and what the gospel is. When you look throughout the scriptures and what we talked about in the last couple weeks, you see that Jesus knows everybody's deepest, darkest secrets. And he doesn't shame them for those. What he does is he calls them back to himself, into his family, that we are made to be a people who live in relationship with him. And I think all the people in the scriptures that got to live with Jesus, they got to see how he loved them first. And so we should be a people who I think are overwhelmed with Jesus' love for us as well. And when we speak about this idea of judgment, our great hope in the world is that there is and will be a judgment, and that judgment is overseen by Jesus himself. So what then does Jesus say about us judging? Well, I'm glad you asked. This is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Now, one writer said this, and I think it's brilliant. He says, you can divide all the people in the world into two categories, everybody else and you, those two circles. Question, which circle are you in charge of? You're in charge of you, the you circle. Which circle are you not in charge of? The everybody else circle. See, Jesus here starts talking about our faults and how we look at one another. And what he starts to point out is it's so easy for us to look at everybody else and see all of their faults. We are a people who should much more easily see our own faults because we live with us every single day. And yet we're so busy looking around us and judging other people. It's like we got a big old log hanging out of our eye. We're like, what log? I don't see any log. I don't know what's going on there, but I can see your tiny little speck. Let me help you with that. And when we start to judge people around us, we get into a place where we find it so easy to blame one another. And judging typically becomes blame in how we look at and treat each other around us. I don't know if you've ever seen this meme. It's a great meme. I think all married couples should put it on the refrigerator. I'm going to have Donald throw it up on the video so you see it. But it says, I didn't say you were wrong. I said I was going to blame you. It's so funny. You know what that's like. Anyway, have you ever heard yourself speak to people around you? Uh, If not, I would recommend at some point you find a way to record yourself as you walk around in the world. Uh, Element, last year we were going through a youth minister search team. And so we had a bunch of uh, different things that came in from different people applying for the job. And it was interesting to me how many of these people said that they never recorded themselves giving a message. Or because they said, I don't want to get in my head. I don't really want to deal with that. And I'm sitting back thinking, how do you know what you even sound like? Unless you're not recording yourself at times to listen to what we're saying. In our daily lives, I think it would be so advantageous if we could hear and play back some of the things that we say. Because we'd hear ourselves judging and blaming one another constantly. Oh, my problem is my mom. Oh, my problem is my spouse. Oh, my problem is my lack of a spouse. Oh, my problem is the place I work. Oh, my problem is the I don't have a place to go to work. My problem is you. We think the plank in our lives is all of these things. And yet Jesus says the plank, the big issue, in our lives, in our eyes, is us. 
Again, most people go through life thinking their real problem is always someone or something else. It is so common that we walk around looking at other people around us that I even think there are people who are watching this live stream or who will come to the live message-only service, 9 a.m. on Sundays, who will come to that and be thinking, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. I think so-and-so really needs to hear this. And, you know, i got to give you good news and bad news. Uh, First off, the good news is so-and-so is here, and the bad news is so-and-so is you. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. We just spent the last couple of weeks showing and speaking about how God accepts us and loves us and bring us, brings us in through all of this. But I'd like to deal with this retold idea in judging. Because many times, as much as we say we love Jesus, we live in the exact opposite way. But I think we can begin to change that a little bit. I don't know if you've ever noticed, from kids uh, that go from a really young age, they start to learn to blame other people. Where do you think they get that? It's not hard. They're, they're, they're watching us. When I was a kid, I always wanted what my brother had. And I remember one day, my mom goes in my brother's room. My brother had a glass of water on his dresser. And my mom got really mad because we had these wooden dressers and there's no coast underneath it. So she goes, if you put that on your dresser again, I'm going to give your brother your room. So I hear this and I think, oh, okay. And I, every day that week, I filled a cup of water and I stuck it on his dresser. I don't know why. I didn't really want his room. At least, no, I don't think I did. And my brother, every time he get, my mom yelled at him for it, he's like, I have no idea what's even going on here. Now today, I am honest enough to tell you about my sociopathic and psychopathic tendencies. And Sean, that's my brother, sorry, <laughs> sorry. In churches, the family that God calls us into and to be, we're supposed to be a people who cheer for one another. And when we share crazy stories about how we used to live and be, we're to come alongside one another and that you wouldn't judge me when I tell you about my sociopathic tendencies of when I was growing up. We can laugh at the absurdity of some of the stories, and yet we are all a people who still want to hide our own failures. We can sit and quietly judge one another while hoping no one is judging us. And I think if we are going to have restored hope in this world and restored relationships with one another, we have to do what Jesus says here. So let me retell this for you because Jesus starts all this with these words, Matthew 7, 1 and 2, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You ever heard that? You ever heard somebody say that to you? Judge not that you be not judged. I mean, how many times have people said that in the world and you start to think, I don't think that means what they think it means. I mean, usually potheads, you know, I I get it. I mean, when we hear people say things like that, it seems so familiar. But what did Jesus actually mean? What I'd like you to do is open your Bibles to Titus chapter 3. And I'm going to show you some things that maybe we can talk about this idea when we hear don't judge. Because sometimes when we hear don't judge, I think there's places that we should be judging in the right way. And there are certain circumstances it seems right to judge, and sometimes in a lot of contexts we're not supposed to judge, but how do we actually do that? So I'm going to show you what that looks like. And as we do, I'm going to ask you my question. It might seem a little early in the message, but here's my question before we talk about what it really means. This is it. What do you think it means to judge? What do you think it means to judge? And how and where is it okay to judge and where is it not okay to judge? And I want you to kind of answer those questions, at least in your own mind or with the people who are around you, before we talk about everything else. I think it's important for us to kind of have that baseline before we allow Jesus to retell the rest of this for us. 
Okay, so judge is its Greek word. It is called krino. Krino, it is used three different ways in the New Testament scriptures. I'm going to show you all three, and then we'll look at how we think Jesus actually meant it. Hopefully that sounds like fun, because even if you don't, we're going to do it anyway. That's how it works. Uh, Titus is written by Paul to a guy named Titus, hence the title. Titus chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says this, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do you know what word in that is the word judge? It's the word decided. That word there, judge, is is to decide, to determine, to resolve, to make a decision about something. Uh, You're coming up to a light. Do I go left, right, or straight? You come to the light up here in front of Orchidburger, which is just a nightmare. Do I turn left before Orchidburger, or do I have to brave that light and get stuck at it for, you know, five hours before I can actually get through it? It could be uh, light versus dark. You know, if I wear this, I'm going to look pasty. If I wear that, I'm going to look even more pasty because I look pasty no matter what I wear. And so which thing am I going to wear? I got to make a decision. A straight from crooked. Am I going to freehand draw in a straight line? Or am I going to get a ruler and then use that to make my straight line? It's make a decision. Do you think Jesus is saying in any way you're not supposed to make any decisions whatsoever? I mean, honestly, if you decided not to make a decision, well, you're making a decision to not make a decision. It's catch 22. It's called a performative contradiction because. Yeah, it's just not, it doesn't make any sense. Is Jesus saying don't make any decisions or decisions will be made about you? Well, no, that doesn't really seem to be what he's saying. Uh, open your Bibles to John chapter 18. John chapter 18 is the section of scripture where Jesus has been arrested. He's going from, you know, official to official in this farce that was his public trial. And he gets in front of a guy named Pilate. Uh, John 18 verse 31 Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. Now, Pilate here is talking about the Jews, referring to the Jewish court of law. So here is the second setting of this word called krino, and it shows a courtroom and then rules of law. So do you think Jesus is saying, do away with the law courts? Uh, If someone stole something from somebody else, well, obviously they didn't need it anyway. Is that what he's saying? Uh, Don't let any court judge anything because they may then judge you. Some people might hope that's true, but I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. Uh, Now, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Got a lot of Bible flipping today. Hope you, you know, used all your muscles and you're ready for that. You're going to be sore tomorrow from your Bible flipping. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Third Satan of Crino takes place here in verse 5. And you got to read the whole thing to get the context. We're going to read it all and I'm going to talk to you about it just a bit. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5 says, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Okay, so, therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time. This is crino nothing before the time. Well, what's the time? Before the Lord comes. Oh, so this is something that's going to happen that God does when he shows up. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes, and that's the word for motives, of the heart. So this third type of crino is something that God is actually going to do, and it involves the deepest, darkest places of our heart that he is going to bring to light. Is that something we are able to do? And the answer is no, that's not something we're able to do. 
Now open your Bibles to John chapter 7. Again, this is another setting of this third type of crino, but you get two in this, and it's all about our hearts again. John 7, verse 24 says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. So he ends with the third type of crino, but he starts with the first one. Basically, it says, stop making decisions about people because of their appearance, because of what they look like, and judge with right judgment. Now, going back to Matthew chapter 7, judge not that you be not judged. Is he saying, don't make any decisions, get rid of the law court, or is he speaking about a way in which we evaluate and critique and draw conclusions about others that is only in a place that God gets to do? See, in Matthew chapter 7, judge in this regard is to raise ourselves up by lowering someone else to something below us. It is making decisions and evaluations and critiques about the motives of people's hearts that raises us above them. If you point to how they fall short, it points out how you think you have never fallen short, especially in those areas. See, what happens in Matthew 7 and what Jesus is talking about is when we begin to confuse people's actions with their essence and identity. Now think about that for 2020 and 2021 at this point. How often do we look at people and we confuse their actions and then we make determinations about their essence and identity? Exposing the motives of people's hearts is God's job. That's what 1 Corinthians 4 tells us. It's God's job. And when we try to judge in a crino way, like Jesus says, we are a people who are confusing actions and essence. It's like... Somebody did something that is destructive and completely dishonest. Then all of a sudden we start to make declarative statements about their worth and identity as a person before God. Again, 2020, 2021, we're in cancel culture. Uh, any politicians who say anything the other side doesn't like at all, maybe it's a misstep in their words. It's like, they are just done. They are over. We're getting rid of those guys. We look at people and say, oh, they must be less than us. We don't just say that thing they did was messed up. We say they in their core are lower than us because we would never do that. Maybe for you personally, maybe you've done something wrong in your past or something deranged that if you had to do it over, you wouldn't do it again. But somebody found out about it and they started to treat you as if you were lower than they were. It's like they didn't just deal with the action. They started to put you down on a core soul level. They judged you in a primary way. They pushed you down completely. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but again, it is 2020, 2021 political season, and it's all around us today. I mean, what do people do with those of the opposite political party? We don't, don't just despise their politics. We despise them. And Jesus says, judging this way is assuming God's position and evaluating the worthiness of his creatures, which is something we cannot do. Judging is us trying to do God's job, which is not in our purview to do. We are trying to order things our way. We're taking a role that is not ours. Have you ever heard the serenity prayer? There's another version of the serenity prayer, which I really like, and it goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the courage to change the one I can, and the wisdom to know it's me. That is so true. See, this isn't unique to us today. All the way back in the garden, Genesis 3, you know, humankind rebels against God. We break relationship with him. We run away from him. And then you have these naked human beings hiding in the garden from the all-knowing creator of the universe. They hide behind fig trees or or leaves and all these things like God can't see me hiding over here 
And God's just like, oh my goodness. And he comes walking into the garden in the cool of the day and he says, hey, where are you? Not that God doesn't know. These words are actually tenderness. And it's meant to be like, hey, look at what you've done. Look at where you're doing. Look at how you're running away from me, your source of life. See what you're doing. And in Genesis 3, verses 10 through 12, it says, And he, that's Adam, said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so, and I hid myself. And in Adam's mind, that's probably like a great excuse. You know, you don't want to see all this, God, so I'm going to hide behind this tree over here. Verse 11, he, God, said, who told you that you were naked? So it shows that Adam's excuse wasn't the greatest one in the world. Have you eaten of the tree of which I command you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. See, God asked Adam a really simple question. Where are you? What's going on? What, what have you done? And I think if Adam was smart and contrite, he would have said, what am I doing? God, I, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I ran from you, the, my only source of life in, in the world. God, don't blame Eve. Blame me. I am so, so sorry. Instead, he doesn't do that. Instead, he judges everyone around him, and he starts blaming everyone around him except himself. He first starts off, well, it's the woman's fault. And the next thing he goes into, well, wait, wait, wait. No, it's not just the woman's fault. It's your fault because you gave me the woman. It's God's fault. That's whose fault it is. There's a story of some parents who were teaching their kids about the sovereignty and the providence and the goodness of God. And so everywhere they took their kids, they'd be like, hey, who made that sunset? God did. Who made the wind to fly our kites in? God did. Who made you? God did. Who made Big Bird? God did. You know, all these things. So one day they come home and the house is just a mess. The kids got into everything, you know, threw everything everywhere. And they're like, who did this? And the kids are like, God did. That's Adam in the garden. That is Adam in the garden. There's this old book called Paradise Lost by a guy named Milton. And he talks about how Adam and Eve, when they fall into sin, it's this long portrayal. And at the end of it, he writes these words. Thus they, like Adam and Eve, in mutual accusation spent the fruitless hours, but neither self-condemning, and of their own vain contest appeared no end. And of their own vain contest appeared no end. Why? Because they wouldn't just said what they did was actually wrong. And do you think Adam and Eve are the last married couple in the history of this earth to fight and blame one another and never say, I'm sorry? No, not at all. Do you think no one on else has ever spent fruitless hours yelling and condemning one another? Not at all. Not judging does not mean that we don't speak hard words and the truth to one another. It's like I mentioned last week, the difference between truth and condemnation. You know, it's supposed to be this vast chasm between those two. But so often today, because of how we speak to others, now we judge others. Anytime we hear truth, we feel like it's condemnation. And it doesn't have to be condemnation. Jesus speaks truth into our lives and doesn't condemn us. He speaks to us and draws us to himself. But when we speak to one another with truth, many times it comes out as condemnation. We look at other people and we think that they are worse than us in their core. And yet it's not true. This whole plank speck that Jesus talks about here is about blame and condemnation. 
Andy Stanley writes about a lot of times when spouses are having problems with their other spouse, they come to him and say, hey, can I meet with you in my office and talk about my spouse? Which, when a conversation starts that way, I can tell you from experience, it's never going to be good. But anyway, people come in and they meet with him and they start blaming all these problems on their spouse. And so Andy Stanley, when he talks to this, he goes, okay, clearly the person who is the real problem is not here. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to draw a circle. And this circle is like a big piece of pie. And this piece of pie here, this 100% is what is going on in your marriage. So I want you to look at this 100% piece of pie that represents all the destruction and all the pain and all the blame and all the stuff going on in your marriage. And I want you to draw what part of this pie represents your responsibility in it. Like how much pain have you caused in what you guys are going through? And he says most people have a very hard time walking through that. And in the end, they come up with about 10 to 15%. This is my slice of the, the pie problem, but the rest of this, the 85 to 90% is, is them. And so Andy Stanley says, well, since them is not here, that, that other person, let's focus on your slice of the pie because that's the only thing we can really work on. And he says in most cases, people cannot do it. They will start to talk about it, and they'll be like, but I only did this because they did that, and they keep going back to blame and judge the other person. And guys, I know this is true, because I have talked to people in my office who have done this exact same thing. We keep looking around as if everybody else is the issue and refuse to look at ourselves and our own fault. In judging and planks and speck, we get so addicted to complaining and judging and pointing everything out and everybody else and what they do wrong that we will not even see the log that is sticking out of our own eyes. And when that happens, which it does to all of us, we were never going to have real belonging and family, which Jesus calls us into. Judging and blaming in a way that tears people down and their worth in our eyes is never productive. Blaming wastes energy. Judging spoils relationships. Blame poisons family. Uh, Judging undermines workplaces. Judging violates love. And yet we are a people who seem to rationalize it so easily and so quickly. I mean, see if this can't hit home a bit. I think this uh, analogy would work better if we were actually meeting in person in church services, but okay. Say you're a bit older, and you're going to an event like a church service, okay? One day, hopefully, that'll happen again. But you're in a church service, and, and maybe you look around, and you see some people who are wearing some things that maybe you don't like or agree with. And you say, oh, how is that flattering? Don't they realize that flip-flops and shorts or jeans and T-shirts, they could wear something nicer than that? Or why do they have all those piercings and tattoos? Or why is the music always so loud? Why do I got to feel the kick drum? Just under all of that is this idea of why can't all those people just be more like me? That's how we tend to live our lives. But we have to be honest about it. Because I think when we are honest about it, we can start stepping into the places God calls us to. And we can begin to experience the wonderful blessings that God has placed us among a diverse group of people. And he can draw us to himself and one another. Now, how about the opposite of that? Imagine that maybe you're on the other end of that. Maybe you're younger. And sometimes you go someplace like a church service like that. And you think, you know, why do some of these people feel like they have to dress nicer? And why do they always seem so picky? And why do they put earplugs in their ears? And why does Element even buy earplugs for people that look like candy? Aren't little kids going to eat those? The answer is yes. Little kids actually do eat our earplugs sometimes. Whoops. <laughs> it, it comes out in the end. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, in more ways than one. Anyway, uh, why does, again, why does Element spend money on earplugs? You know, why, uh, how come some people don't know how to connect to the Wi-Fi? Why do they even have a smartphone to begin with if they don't know how to use it, if it just confuses them? Well, again, what is under the surface of all of that is, why can't they just be more like me? 
And if you are unsure when you look at this, if you're younger or older, you're typically older. What we have to understand is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about straightening people out. Now, the gospel as a result of it, it does begin to straighten us out, but that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is Christ's death and resurrection for us to bring us into the family of God. John Ortberg once said, if you want to straighten people out, you ought to work in a funeral home because that's the only place, place when you straighten people out, they stay straightened out. Our lives resist straightening, and the only one who can straighten us is God himself. And so what we have to do is look and understand the gospel is God's rescue of us in the midst of where we are. And if we are a people who would begin to focus on God's rescue of us, where we are, the grace and the goodness of who he is, that will lead us to a place where we cease thinking how great we are and we realize how good he is and we'd stop judging people in a soul condemnation way. And we'd simply start to live as if Jesus himself is great. See, I think if we understand the gospel, that is the only way we will ever come to a place where we take responsibility for who we are in our own life choices, our own slice of the chaos pie. By understanding the gospel, it's the only way we can actually look at who we are and who we've been and not walk away dejected. What we are is people who can walk out the great salvation that God has given to us because he has rescued us. And we are able to look at and take responsibility for the poor decisions that we have made and the garbage heap that we've made sometimes out of our lives and walk out in the goodness and the hope that God calls us to by the grace of the cross. And what I would like you to do this week as you start to hopefully think through some of these things is when you get frustrated or you get in a fight with somebody who's around you that maybe you care about or you watch the news or you watch a inauguration speech that you disagree with, don't go all scorched earth. Take a step back and just start to pray. God, help me to see what you want me to see here. God, show me how you want me to grow through this. Begin to own the words and the habits of your own life that don't honor God or others in your life. Ask God to help you see your own plank, to remove it, to lead you in ways that you can speak of the gospel wherever you are, because then you'll be able to build relationships with others. We'll begin to glorify God in our lives. See, Jesus is always right. And the problem isn't just that we we have a plank in our eye. It's that we don't even see or notice that we have a plank in our eye. So what we have to do is allow God's Spirit to come and move us to see the ways that we are judging one another. We need to see what needs to be changing. And the only way that will happen is by listening to Him. You know how the Bible talks about this, actually? And it's not a fun word that people like, but it's actually called the conviction of sin. That this is what God's Spirit does. And it's sin because it's the opposite of what God calls us into, which is life in Him. And speaking of His restoration and His hope. uh, Our lives are meant to be those that are restored because of what the gospel has done in us. And we're supposed to live out that life with one another. And many times we miss what God wants for us. And the conviction of sin is actually a gift of God's Spirit in us that leads us to surrender more and more of who we are to Him every single day. The psalm writer in Psalm 19.12 says this, Who can discern his errors, declare me innocent from hidden faults? And I love how the International Children's Bible says this. It says, None of us know our faults. Forgive me when I sin without knowing it. And I think sometimes the problem is when we sin without knowing it, it's simply because we refuse to even see it and look at it. See, we must be a people who invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and show us where our problems are. We invite Him to be the one who changes us. And I think many times 
this whole idea of living in the truth and having the Spirit lead us in those ways. The greatest prayer that we can pray is not God change them, although sometimes that's, that's a great prayer to pray. But I think we should start to pray, God change me and change my attitude and change my patterns of negative thinking. Change the way I feel like I have to be in control of everybody. Change my sarcasm. Change the way I nag and manipulate people around me. Change my negative attitude at work. Uh, Change my envy or jealousy that I can't seem to get over. Change the way that I rush through every day, not even thinking about who you are. And if we'd be a people who begin to pray that every day, God will begin to change us. He'll begin to focus our eyes more upon who he is. Our planks would start to be taken out of our eyes, and then we'd be actually able to help speak the gospel into the world in a, in a way that shows the life-changing goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, what we have to understand is that when we are a people who begin to live and walk in and speak and understand the gospel, it enables us to own all that we've ever done and all that we are. We can speak truth no matter where we are, and it moves us to a place where we don't feel like we have to control everybody and judge everyone around us anymore. Because in the end, all judgment belongs to God himself. And when we understand who Jesus is and how he came to rescue us, that's one of the greatest things that we can ever let anybody know that there is a judgment, but Jesus is the one who is in control of it. And Jesus is the one who came and died for our sins. All the things that we, you know, rightly deserve to be judged for, he died for and draws us into himself. And so therefore we can be a people who own all the garbage of our lives and stop judging everyone around us and simply live in the hope and the grace that God calls us to. And we can make a big difference in this world by simply being a people who live in the hope of the gospel. And this is why one of the reasons that Element, at the end of every message, we come to this place where we talk about this thing called communion. And again, I don't know where you are in your homes right now, but if you are so inclined and you take communion, you you take that cracker or a piece of bread, and I always like to break it myself because it reminds me of Christ's body that was broken. And you dip it in grape juice or wine, or you drink grape juice or wine with it, and that reminds us simply of Christ's blood that was shed for us that his body that was broken and his blood that was shed, the the good news of the gospel of our rescue and our redemption of how Christ brings us back to himself. So we can be a people who begin to live out in this world in ways that cease judging other people in a soul condemnation way and begins to look at and pray for and seek the welfare of the places that we are sent where God places us. And if you need prayer today, I would encourage you to send an email to connect at ourelement.org or prayer at ourelement.org. And if you want someone to pray with you, maybe you are someone who has such a hard time judging everybody else or you feel like people just constantly judge you and you would like prayer either to learn how to stop judging others or prayer to learn how to forgive the people who feel like you keep judging you, we would love to be able to pray with you about that. Uh, Let us know because our great God has moved us to a place not only where we can cease judging others around us, but we can also forgive because he is first forgiven us. We can all be changed to be more like Christ in how we live our lives every day, and it is all as a result of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you would like to give, um, you can do so online. Our, gave, our God gave so much to us, so giving is simply part of our worship, so you have the opportunity every single week. And I encourage you to grab some of the sermon notes and maybe talk about judging and the places that we find it so easy to judge and the places where we don't like it when people judge us. You know, and just kind of speak about that and the reality of what it means that we have a God who does call right from wrong, but there is truth without condemnation. 
and that we are a people who get to live in the truth because all of our sin or our condemnation was taken upon Christ himself. And God gives us new life. And so we can face and live in the truth without being condemned because we trust in Christ's provision over us. Let's be a people who live out the great hope that Christ has given us so we can be joy and light in the world as God calls us to. Why don't you pray with me? Father, today we ask that you would take and move us to be a people who understand the great hope of redemption that we have been given. That we would understand the ideas of what judgment actually is and that there's a judgment that you do which is right and holy and good and true and there's a judgment that we do and many times it's stepping into your place. And I ask when we do that, your spirit would convict us of the sin of what that looks like. And we would be willing to take a step back and listen to you. And that we would be able to see that the planks that are in our own eyes. And that your spirit would lead us to places where those can be removed as we rest in the hope of what the gospel brings. And that then we'd be able to start to live out in this world in ways that reflect the goodness of who you are in all that we do that you would be glorified, that people would begin to live in true freedom and true joy because of what you bring. Teach us to be those in this world who live as those who have hope because we realize that there is truth. And the truth is what you say and you've made it manifest to us. Have us live out true life that is found in you and all that we do. And we ask this in your son's good name. Amen.